Well, hello uh, again. Welcome to H2O. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, want to give a special shout out to H2O Akron, who's joining us via video as we are in the second week of the series that we're calling Goals. And uh, I don't know about you, but maybe you're checking out H2O either here at BG or at Akron for one of the first times as the semester is starting off. Again, we want to say welcome. We know that that was a, a big step of faith for you to come, and we are excited. We're excited to continue this series, and what we hope to do is we're heading into 2018 is to kind of press into that idea, press into that maybe tradition that many of us have of setting goals, making resolutions as we start a new year. And as a church, we want to kind of come alongside who you believe that God is making you to be and, and help with setting some goals. Because oftentimes we set goals in many areas of our lives, but the spiritual side of our, of our hearts and of our makeup, we almost kind of forget about. And so we wanted to, to rally around that idea and start uh, the year off with this series that we're calling goals. And as we're starting it off, we, we have this phrase that I heard another pastor say one time that really resonated with me that, that I think is kind of the backdrop for this whole series. Uh, I heard this phrase where, where the pastor said, uh, we can remember and we can learn from the past. Uh, we talked about this last week. We can remember and we can learn from the past. We can dream about and think about and make plans for the future. But the only time and the only place we can act from is the present. And as I was hearing that, I was like, that is so true, and that's what we want to be about. We can remember and learn from the past. That's important. We can dream about the future, but the only place we can set goals from, actually take action from, is the present. And so this series for us at H2O is all about discovering and telling you who we are as a church, what our goals are as a church, and what we value. Not just who we are now, but who we plan and continue to try to grow into and be, and what type of church we believe God is calling us to be. And so each of the four weeks, we're talking through some of our core values and some of the things that are goals for us that we truly believe are important. And so as we think about that, specifically today, we are talking about the idea of empowerment. See, last week we talked about the importance of the Bible and being rooted and centered in God's Word. And today, specifically, we're talking about empowerment. See, we want to be a church that empowers every single person who comes to H2O, who calls H2O their church home or their church family. We want to be a church that encourages and pushes you to be the person that God wants you to be. We want to come alongside you and equip you and inspire you and encourage you to grow into the man or the woman that God is calling you to be. And so a core value of ours, a goal of ours is that we would be a church that is continually empowering others. As I think about that, that idea of talking about empowerment, Reminds me of a, of a conversation I had with one of my kids this week. I have three kids, talk about them a lot. Uh, all three of them are playing basketball. They're playing upward basketball, and I get to coach each one of their teams, which is a blast. I love coaching my kids. Uh, that was actually like one of my dreams, even when I was in high school. I was like, I hope someday I have kids, and I hope they at least like sports enough for a little while that I can, that I can coach them. I don't know if they'll have the athletic ability that I had, but you know, maybe they'll at least somehow play for some period of time. So all three of them are playing basketball right now and I get to coach him and my youngest son is in kindergarten okay so it's his first chance to play basketball they don't really start much younger than kindergarten right and so uh, we were at practice this week and I was encouraging him I was trying to empower him I was trying to give him some confidence because I thought maybe he needed some and so uh, it was after the practice this week I was putting him down uh, to bed at the end of the night and, and I was laying with him 
trying to empower him, encourage him. I said, uh, Isaac, hey, I just want you to know, I think you might be one of the best players on your team. Now, he's actually not the best player. I'm not going to tell him that. But I, so I didn't want to lie to him. I said, I think you might be one of the best players on your team, you know. And, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, but I'm not the best. And I was like, hey, buddy, you know, I, I don't know where you're the best or not. I'm just saying, I think you might be one of the best players on your team. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not the best. And, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm trying to complete. Um, there's something going on in his head that, that isn't connecting quite yet. And I'm like, well, I think you're pretty good. I think you, you have a lot of great skills. You're a great team player. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not the best. And I said, okay, well, well who is the best then? What, what's going on inside your head? He's like, well, first of all, God. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, pastor's kid. Yes, God is better at you than basketball, I guess, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. God is, is better than you. Well, who else? You know, who else is better than you? And he's like, LeBron James. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's probably true too. Uh, who else? He's like, Steph Curry. And I'm like, uh, okay, anybody else? He's like, no, that's it. You know, and uh, I'm like, okay, so you're telling me you're the fourth best. And he's like, yeah, probably the fourth best behind God and LeBron James and Steph Curry. All right, so as I was trying to empower my son, he actually maybe needed, you know, brought back to reality a little bit. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need confidence. He might need a little dose of reality. But either way, uh, our job as a church is to come alongside each other and encourage and push one another forward as we seek to empower one another. See, the big idea uh, that we're going to discover, that we're going to talk about today is this, that God empowers us so we can empower others, okay? God empowers us so that we can empower others. It's this cycle of empowerment, this cycle of encouragement where we continually are pushing others forward, which sometimes might even result in us taking a step backwards so that in the end, God gets the glory for everything that we do as a church and as individuals. And so we are passionate about empowering people here at H2O. It's a goal of ours. It's in our DNA. It's who we are that we want to empower you, every single person that that calls us their church family to be the person that God wants them to be. So we're going to jump into the Bible together today, and we're going to look at some passages that teach us about what it looks like to have God empower us and for us to empower others. The first passage we're going to look at, if you want to open up, it's in your handouts on your H2O app notes. It's in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You can open there with me and read along, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Starting in verse 7, and we're going to pull our first point from this. It says this, For the spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You catch what, what Paul said there? For the Spirit of God does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And the first thing we can learn about empowerment is this. God empowers us through his Spirit. God empowers us 
through his Spirit. You see, as followers of Christ, as Christians who, who proclaim the name of Jesus, we believe that God exists as the Trinity. And what that means is that, that God is one being and he exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a very unique role in the life of believers. The Holy Spirit actually comes and lives inside of us and indwells us. And so Paul, in this letter to, to Timothy, Timothy is like his, his protege. Timothy is like somebody that he's mentoring. And Paul is writing this letter to him, and he's saying, listen, Timothy, you don't have to be afraid. Timothy was a younger man. Paul was an older man, and Paul's trying to empower him and equip him. And, and we could sense that Timothy might have been a little bit fearful or timid. And so Paul says, you don't have to be afraid or fearful because, listen, God's spirit lives inside of you. And when God's spirit lives inside of you, he gives you power. He, he gives you the ability to love beyond your own capability. He gives you self-discipline. And so, Timothy, I want you to know that you don't have to go out and, and muster up some courage on your own strength. You don't have to go read some self-help book about how you can get through what you may be facing. You already have everything you need living inside of you, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, to live a life of love, self-discipline, and power. And as Paul was writing that to Timothy, it's the same for us as well. You know, sometimes we think that we just need more training or maybe we need to be more talented or maybe we need a different set of skills before we could ever make an impact for God. But the Word of God tells us the Spirit of God lives inside each and every one of us who is a follower of Jesus. That gives us power. And that is an amazing truth that we can press into and live in and rest in when we face those moments where we may not think that we could ever make an impact for God. We know that God empowers us through his spirit. So then the question becomes, well, what stops us oftentimes, right? You know, because I, I know that there's a lot of us that want to make an impact, that want to maybe overcome a certain sin that we may have in our life or, or be more loving or, or whatever the case may be. What stops us from doing that? And I think what Paul is telling Timothy is still true to us 2,000 years later. Fear is such a hindrance for so many of us, isn't it? Fear is something that creeps into our life that we wrestle with and that we grapple with. And fear is something that literally stops us from reaching the goal of being the person that God wants us to be. I don't know if you're a person that considers uh, yourself somebody who struggles with fear or not. Um, I know that it's something that, like many people, I've had to try to press into and overcome in my own life. I remember when I was a, a little kid, for some reason, fear was something that I dealt with a lot, too. I don't know. Maybe it was just developmental. Maybe you were been in that situation. But I had this one period of, of my life, and I can't remember exactly how old I was, maybe eight or nine years old, where I watched a show on TV, and uh, somehow the show uh, it demonstrated somebody breaking into a restaurant and holding the restaurant up at gunpoint with these masks on. And so for some reason, I had in my head that anytime we were out in public, I was petrified that somebody was going to break into the store that we were in or the restaurant that we were in and hold it up. And so I literally, like, my parents would be like, all right, we're going out to eat tonight. And I would just be fearful. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to leave the house. And they're like, you know, you have to leave the house, you know. And I'm like, no, what if somebody robs the store, you know, like that TV show? What if somebody comes in with a gun, you know? And it was this completely irrational fear, but it was a fear that very much affected my life. And I think that many of us, it may not be that extreme, 
But we live in fear, don't we? I don't want to open my mouth and say something because I'm afraid I might sound stupid. I don't want to put myself out there because uh, what if somebody doesn't like me? I don't want to tell somebody about Jesus because what if I get rejected? And what Paul tells us is, listen, you don't have to be afraid because it's not about you. The Spirit of God is literally living inside of you. And so you are empowered to go and live a life of power, of love, and self-discipline. And you don't need anything else but the Spirit of God. And that is a freeing thought. That is a thought that as you go about your life, and the moment you start to let that fear creep into your life, you can remember this verse. God doesn't give me a, a spirit of fear. He gives me a spirit of power. And you can change the way that you think, which will change the way that you act, and you will be empowered to live the life that God wants you to live. I want you to check out this other verse. See, Paul was telling Timothy about this, but Jesus tells us something very similar. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus had went to the cross. He, he, he died. He rose again. And this uh, Acts chapter 1 is recording of the short time that Jesus was on earth from the time that he rose from the dead till the time that he ascended. Acts chapter 1, Jesus has a handful of his followers around him. And you have to imagine they're probably asking Jesus these questions like, well, what do we do now? And, and Jesus tells them this in Acts chapter 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So Paul tells us when the Spirit of God comes, we have power. Jesus tells us when the Spirit of God comes, we have power. And I think we need to change our minds to actually believe the word of God, that his power, his power sustains us. And it comes from him when we put our faith and trust in him. Think about this. Uh, if you were uh, God, you know, kind of a weird thought, but if you were God and you were coming up with a plan to tell the whole world about God's love and, and, and redemption and forgiveness and grace, you know, what would you use to tell every single human being about that? I don't know about you. I probably wouldn't have chose the same plan God did, you know. In, in my understanding, I wouldn't have chosen other people. I wouldn't have chosen me. I wouldn't have chosen you. No offense, all right, but, but I just wouldn't have. But Jesus says, listen, you are my plan to tell the world about me. But you don't have to do it on your own. The Spirit is going to give you power. You see, we are God's plan A. We are God's plan A to tell the world about him, and there is no plan B. That's how much God believes in you and I, and that's why he sent his Spirit to help us. Because it's not just about us. It's about us partnering with him. What this means is that God believes in us when we don't even believe in ourselves at times. God said, you are my plan. And I'm going to give you the spirit, but you need to partner with the spirit. And so you are my plan A, and I believe in you. I believe in my people. I believe in my family. I believe in my children. And so he's equipped us through sending his spirit. See, God empowers us through his spirit, and he believes in us even when we don't believe in ourselves. I want to look at another passage. It's going to bring us to our second point. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, says this. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity and faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held up by every supporting ligament grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, the second thing we can learn about empowerment from the Word of God is this. The church empowers us to use our gifts. The church empowers us to use our gifts. And here at H2O, we believe wholeheartedly. We talk about it all the time because, again, it's to our very core. We believe each and every person that's here has a very unique, has a very specific skill set and gifting that makes the whole body come together. And it allows us to do way more than we could ever do on our own. See, the church's job is not just to have a pastor do all the work and everybody else come and watch the show. The church's job is all of us partnering together, using our gifts to make an impact for God. And so we desire to empower, to encourage, to equip you. Over and over again, and I specifically think at this campus venue at H2O Akron, you know, I look at how many students are involved. And so oftentimes you might think as a student, uh, you know, I'm young. You know, I have, have so much to learn still in life, and I'm just not sure that I could ever make an impact. But do you know that God has empowered you specifically right where you are to make an amazing impact? And so much of the amazing world changes that have taken place, whether it's political, whether it's spiritual, whether it's economic, so many of the changes that have literally revolutionized our world have happened because of young people. Have happened because of people just like you. And so you don't have to wait until you hit a certain age or a certain point of maturity to actually make an impact. That's why we're passionate about reaching college students because you, right where you are right now, can literally change the world. It's happened over and over and over again. And that's why we love doing what we do here at H2O. See, we're a church that continually wants to empower every single person. It's one of my number one joys as a pastor, honestly. It's one of the things I love most is trying to push other people forward to bring glory to God. That's why we structure so much of what we do to equip you to actually do the work and the service of, of serving the church. I remember when I first came on staff, um, I, I was, you know, just graduated uh, from college, and I, I came on staff, and Matt Pardee, who pastors still with us here right now, he'll be teaching next week, actually, he was my pastor. I remember after a couple years being on staff, um, he, we were having this, this discipleship conversation, we were sitting down for a cup of coffee, and um, I, I remember the conversation, he said, Brian, I just want you to know that I'm trying to train you up and empower you to take over and run H2O someday. And I remember thinking, man, that's, that's, I don't think that I could ever do that. And he said, no, I, I think that you can. 
I think that you can, and I think that you can take it even farther than I could. And I was like, there's no possible way. You know, this is my mentor telling me that. I'm like, no, there's no possible way. But if you say so, then let's, let's see what happens. And he said, I think someday God's going to call me to plant another church to do something different, and I want you to feel empowered to lead. And he was such a great example of me, of him stepping back and releasing control so that others could lead and serve and learn. And that's our heart here at H2O. That's why we have pastors in training come up here and share. That's why we empower group leaders to go out and actually make an impact on campus and in the city. That's why we plant churches like H2O Akron and plant churches like the Madison Church Plant that we just sent out that we'll be launching in September because we want to continually give people an opportunity to serve at their highest capacity. And as we do that, it's amazing to see God answer our prayers. It's amazing to see the, the Spirit equip us and empower us. And it's amazing to see people step in to leadership like they never have before. But it's not always easy. Because to equip people means to release control. To, to equip and empower people means to say, like, I'm literally going to hand you power, hand you the opportunity to lead other people. And so many churches never multiply. So many churches never raise up leaders because the leaders that are in a position of power are so afraid of releasing control. And so our goal is that we would always fight against that here at H2O. Our goal is that we would always be looking for the next man or the next woman to raise up to make an impact for Christ. And it's going to be hard sometimes. There's going to be mistakes that are made along the way. But there's far greater risk in never releasing control than by empowering other people. Maybe some of you have heard the name Tom Watson. Tom Watson is, is the founder uh, and, and president of IBM. He started IBM about 40 years ago. And uh, he's kind of like this business guru that, that has started a ton of companies. He's made a, a ton of uh, money in the, in the business world. And in one of his books, he's telling this story about a young executive that he's trying to raise up and he's trying to empower. And this young executive is getting more and more responsibility and Tom Watson's giving him more and more room to run and, and, and he's empowering him more and more. And he gets to a certain point where he gives this young executive $10 million to go and invest and try to turn that money into more money. And, and it was one of the things that he was doing to try to empower him. And so as he gives him $10 million to go invest, he makes a terrible decision. The young executive does, loses all $10 million. Okay? Now, it's IBM. It's a big company. But $10 million is $10 million, right? And so this young executive, uh, is, it's a true story. He starts cleaning out his desk. He gets an email. Hey, Tom, the president, wants to meet with you. And he has his mind made up of what's going to happen, you know. So he cleans out his desk. He, he starts packing his boxes. He goes into uh, his boss's office, goes into to Tom Watson's office, and, and he says, well, you know, I, I know I made a massive mistake, and uh, I just want you to know you don't even have to fire me. I can just go ahead and resign. And Tom Watson looks at him and he says, I cannot afford to fire you right now. I just invested $10 million in you. I just gave you $10 million, and that was to invest in you. It wasn't about the money. It was about your leadership. And so there's no way you're resigning right now because I just invested $10 million in you. And yes, you made a mistake, but you, if you grow and push into it, you're going to be a better leader because of it. And, and as I think about that and the application it has to our church, oftentimes there are failures that, that we take on. When we step out in faith, nobody likes to fail. 
It can be something that, that is hard for us. Nobody likes to try and start something new or do something in ministry and not have it work out, right? We have dreams and visions of just tons of people showing up and, and making a big impact from day one. There are times where we may fail, where we may fall short. But listen, the grace of God is like this giant safety net behind us. And the church's job is to come alongside people and equip them and empower them to serve and to use their gifts. And there's times where we'll make mistakes because we're all human. But we continue to press into that and say, God, what do you have for this person? How can we learn? How can we grow? How can we continue to empower one another? So the Holy Spirit empowers us. The church empowers us through using our gifts. And then third and finally, I want to look at 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others. See, third and finally, we have the privilege of empowering others. We have the, the privilege of empowering others others. So it's on each one of us to say, how can I push somebody else forward, even if, my own, even if it means that I may have to step back? And again, that is such a hard concept, but empowering others is so essential for us. And we have to live selfless lives. The gifts, the authority, the positions that God's given us, they're not ours. They're meant to be given away. I, I was thinking about this idea of empowering others I'm thinking about my kids again. I'm sure some of you can relate to this. Maybe you were on the other side of this as a child not too long ago getting dropped off at college or whatever the case may be. But I, uh, I was thinking about dropping my daughter off at kindergarten for the first time. She's 11 now. And it's always hard, you know, when your kid goes into a new season of life. Um, but especially that first child for me and going to kindergarten, it was like this massive moment. It was like all summer long. I was just kind of dreading the day that I was going to have to walk her up to that door and hand her off to the teachers at this school, you know, because before that, she was under my care 24-7, you know, she was in our house, and, and I knew that someday she's going to grow up, and that means that there's going to be something different, you know, that means it's going to be a new experience for her, and so I remember, you know, walking her up that sidewalk you know, at, at this elementary school. And, uh, and I remember taking the picture in front of the school, and uh, I, re I remember trying not to look like a baby and crying, you know. I didn't want to be the weird one that the dad's sitting there crying, you know, and everyone's like, man up, come on, you know. And I remember trying to hold tears back a little bit. But, but as I dropped my daughter off at kindergarten for that first time, it was like this strange mix of excitement and loss. A strange mix of excitement and loss because I was excited for her. I knew that we had prepared her. I knew that we had equipped her. I knew that she was empowered to go and destroy kindergarten, you know, and be the smartest kid in her class. I knew that was going to happen, and it did, you know. No, I'm not biased at all. Um, I knew that was going to happen. I was excited for her, but there was like this, this loss, you know, a little, a little bit of loss because it meant our relationship was going to change a little bit. It meant things were going to be different. A little bit you know and now she's in fifth grade and she's gone to middle school next year and literally like we drive by the middle school all the time because our house is out that way and and I always joke with her I'm like just so you know you're not going there next year okay you're allowed to drop out of school okay because I, I don't want you to go because you're growing up too fast because I know again there's going to be a season where I'm excited for her she's going to do great 
but, but it's loss. There's some loss because I know things are going to change. And the same is true with each one of us when we empower someone to lead. That's exactly how it is as a church. When we raise somebody up, when we send somebody out in a church plant, when we give our job away as a life group leader, when we let somebody lead, when we empower somebody else, we are excited for them, right? We're excited because we believe in them and we wholeheartedly care for them and the gospel has gone to different places that we couldn't take it on our own. But there's also a little bit of loss because it means things change a little bit. And so we have to continually remind ourselves. We have to continually remind ourselves that we have the privilege of empowering others. And it truly is a privilege. And when we empower others, we walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ himself. See, Jesus was the ultimate example of empowering people. Jesus came to this earth. He lived on this earth. He walked with these 12 disciples and many others, but closest with these 12 disciples. And he was constantly teaching them. And he was constantly empowering them. And he went to the cross. He resurrected. He came back to life. And when he came back to life in that Acts chapter 1 that we read, he is letting them know, listen, I'm going to ascend to heaven. And it's your guys' job to continue to take this message to the next generation, to person after person after person. I'm going to give you my spirit, but it's also on you. And so the gospel, the very example of Jesus Christ calls us to continually empower other people. And isn't it beautiful to know that that same spirit that that actually literally rose Jesus from the grave We talk about this, we sing about this, the Spirit of God rose Jesus from the grave. That same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave actually now lives inside of us. And so the gospel truth is that we have the strength to empower, to serve, to make an impact because we have the Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that's living inside of us. See, God empowers us so that we can empower others. That's our goal That's our heart. That's our passion. And we want you to know that we want you to be a part of that. We will do everything we can to empower you to be the leader and the person that God wants you to be. So let's pray and let's sing about that spirit that totally transforms our lives.